Welcome everyone back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. I'm a healthcare attorney and a healthcare advocate for many years. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks. It's world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Learn more about them by going to pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. Now, this program is devoted to the one issue that impacts every American, personally or in business, uh, certainly taxes, health care and health care policy. It is all substance all the time and includes health care news, commentary, and extended interviews with experts from around the country who have something important to add to the debate on health care policy. And today, we welcome another station to the Healthcare Politics Network. Welcome to WXOJ in Florence, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us. As we announced last week, we are green-lighted for a second season. And we look forward to adding more stations and expanding our coverage. And today, we have not one, but ten guest interviews. These are 10 people who we interviewed while they waited in line in the 90-degree heat up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania over the weekend for the Trump 100-day rally uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But first, what is new in healthcare politics this week? And oh my, multiple news sources are reporting that Congress has managed a bipartisan agreement to fund the government through September 2017. So just about the time we're sending our kids back to school, we can look forward to that. Uh, Interestingly, Congress appears to have called the president's bluff on multiple issues, which may mean the president will veto this bipartisan legislation. I did not hear in the news today that he is on board, and until he is, he isn't, and even if he is, he may not be, but we'll see. Uh, With respect to the health issues in the compromise, it does all of the following— Uh, It continues the funding for the Affordable Care Act, the uh, subsidies. The president, as you will recall, had threatened to pull that out. Uh, $2 billion is added in funding for the National Institute of Health. That was something the president didn't want to do. Medicaid expansion is secure, at least for another few months. Planned Parenthood lives to fight another day. Its funding remains. $295 billion is being shelled out to support Puerto Rico and to buttress its Medicaid. Uh, We have $100 billion for opioid treatment programs, which everybody can agree is uh, money well spent and probably not enough money. Uh, We will have increased funding for science and energy uh, programs that the president had put on the chopping block on his budget. Also, the mine workers uh, insurance policy program that had been held hostage to uh, the Republican uh, purse pullers. Uh, That has been uh, reinforced and and taken care of. Uh, Meanwhile, the latest version of the House repeal of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act is still well short of the necessary support to bring it to a vote. It's sort of funny if you pay attention to these things, it's, it's certainly hurting cats. Uh, every few hours, the Republican leadership will say, we're just a few votes short, so we're a few, a few votes short. It's going to be a matter of, of hours, if not minutes, and then nothing happens. And, of course, nothing happens because they don't have the votes, and nobody's going to vote for something that's sure to fail. So we're going to take a break here. 
And when we come back, we're going to start listening to some interviews that we took up in Harrisburg. Uh, we have a lot to say on that subject, but more importantly, we have a lot to listen to. So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. See you on the other side. Secret all over this land. A free market monster with invisible hands. Opioids cause about 91 deaths a day in the United States and resulted in an historic high of 33,000 deaths in 2015. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say this number actually could be an underestimation. In Oregon, the rate of opioid deaths is higher than the national average. Dr. Safina Karishi, medical director at Columbia Pacific CCO, says it's even worse for the North Coast where she works. She says trust among community members can be a useful prevention tool since addiction doesn't happen in a vacuum. Talking about within the community how trauma can affect all of this, and that is something that we've been working with our community, and our community within the North Coast is really passionate about and has been struggling with and moving forward regarding what does community resilience mean and how can we collectively build that. Last month, the federal government distributed money to states to help fight opioid abuse, including $6.5 million for Oregon as part of the 21st Century Cures Act. Some members of Congress have argued the legislation does not provide nearly enough to fight the crisis. For Oregon News Service, I'm Eric Tegedoff. You're back with Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics, with Steve Larchuk. And as you know, our typical programming is to have a commentary at this point in the show where we discuss what's happening, what it means to all of us with regard to healthcare. And it, it's all part of our mission, as we see it, which is, in a phrase, we dare to be reasonable. And what does that mean, dare to be reasonable? When you're watching the news shows or the talking heads, it seems like there's no middle anymore. If, if the only way to get on television seems to be uh, to be as extreme as possible, to take no prisoners, the slightest whiff of uh, being reasonable or willing to compromise and you're out the door. Uh, Reasonableness is not a hot selling uh, commodity on television these days. But if we're actually serious about changing something in healthcare politics or politics generally, we need to start having the courage, and I, I use that word quite deliberately, courage to be reasonable. Because if you're the reasonable person in the room, at first people won't trust you, but then maybe they might. Well, so the first thing we decided to do was walk the walk. Uh, We've had some people on who are conservatives, but frankly not enough. We want to have more people on who, frankly, give us the other side of the the case. And where we can find common ground, let's find it. Where we can uh, find areas where we need to work harder, let's work harder. But we started that by going up to Harrisburg this week. When I say we, I went up with Anthony Mastriani, one of our producers, and we just drove up to the big rally and walked up to the people in line, and as the line moved, we moved with them. And so we have 10 interviews, and we're going to do three in this first segment, and we're going to start right now. Yeah, I need to know, know your name first. My first name is Edna. Tell you what, Edna, my friend here is going to hold your place in line. Okay. That way we won't hold up the line. All right. Okay, where are you from? Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And 
What were you hoping the president would do once he was in office with regard to health care reform? Uh, get rid of the Obamacare. And what is it about Obamacare that you don't like? Um, it's failing for one thing. It's also, um, it takes the interest away from the people and takes uh, the uh, doctor and puts um, less ability into their hands. It's uh, costing us too much. Um, I'm not a believer in a one-payer system, and that's the direction that the Obamacare was pushing us. And um, I'm a believer in uh, you should be able to buy your health care across states, any place that you want to, to help bring the prices down. And Obamacare um, just doesn't do that. It doesn't let you keep your doctor. So how do you think it's going so far with the president? Well, unfortunately, Congress is dragging their feet. Trump can only do so much. Um, he doesn't have the power to make Congress do what it needs to do to, to bring up a health care that is affordable for everyone. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Let's go find you. Well, this is Steve Larchuk back again. And we're going to keep on rolling with our interviews, just to keep on playing them. This is raw tape, as you can probably tell. Uh, this is an NPR. We're not going to edit it to death. This, this is the raw tape. It's just like you were standing there with me. So we're going to pick up with some more. Sir, I need to know your name first. Tom Delacqua. Where are you from, Tom? Uh, Bristol, PA. And you voted for the president, I assume. I did. Now, what were you hoping he would accomplish with regard to health care? Well, what I'm hoping for is more affordable premiums, better quality care. Um, that's pretty much what I'm concerned about. I think the cost of insurance is through the roof. I think the insurance companies are still making money hand over fist. Um, I think we need to rein in the cost of the insurance, get prescription drug costs down and make it more affordable for people. Get rid of these outrageously high deductibles. So how do you think it's going so far? Well, I think uh, he's fighting a hard battle. I think if Congress actually does what they're supposed to do, um, he can make it happen. But it's, they got to work together. You know, the fighting amongst the Democrats and the Republicans is not going to solve the problem. You know. How do you feel about drug uh, prices uh, and the need to get the drug companies to start controlling those costs? Well, look, I understand that drug companies spend tons of money on trials and getting their drugs to market. Um, but I think that they could afford to lower their margins a little bit and make it a little more affordable for people. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Have a sure. good time today. I'm Stephen Larchuk. Your name, sir? Larry. Where are you from, Larry? Uh, right around here in Harrisburg area. Now, what were you hoping the president would be able to accomplish with regard to health care reform when he took office? Uh, just get rid of what that mess is that uh, Obama created with, with the health care act that he had. And uh, they always talk about re repeal and replace. What are you hoping it would be replaced with? I, didn't, I, I honestly didn't think that we had a bad health care system to begin with bef long before they started all this stuff. So I just completely repeal the thing would be fine with me. And how do you feel about uh, drug costs? Uh, well, a lot, a lot of out, they're, they're, it's too expensive. Okay, a lot of people say that. You think the drug companies are making more than they should? Oh, certainly, certainly, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Have a good You're time. Welcome. Thanks. Now, those were just three of the people we talked to, and let me just. Uh, paint you a visual picture of what was going on.
when uh, Anthony and I drove up to the farm uh, center up in Harrisburg, we arrived at about three and a half hours before the event was supposed to start. There was a huge line. I have to tell you, I, I'm 63. I've never seen a line this long. And the parking lot was absolutely packed. And we talked to one of the parking lot attendants who told us that the parking lot holds 6,000 cars and that they had an arena that would hold 15,000 people and they had an overflow room that would hold another 15,000. Now, I don't know that they exceeded the original room, but people had been lining up since the morning and uh, frequent listeners to the show will know that I'm not a a fan of our president but let's let's face the fact that there are a lot of people who are very much in support of Donald Trump and although the people that drove in some cases for hours to go to that rally on Saturday may be the most uh, rabid of his supporters it's um, there's a spectrum of support and we're going to hear some more interviews in a bit but I wanted to just talk a little bit about what the president actually said because he he did come to the farm center and he spoke and he spoke for an hour and I listened to the entire speech not live I listened to it later uh, on uh, YouTube as a matter of fact but here are the things he said about health care reform he said we're going to replace it we're going to get something great we're going to take care of every single need you are going to want to be taken care of we're going to bring the premiums down we're going to get the deductibles way down and it is not going to cost that sort of money Americans can buy the insurance they want not the insurance not the health care forced on them by the government and then he ended up by saying I am going to be so angry if they don't get that damn thing passed quickly. So that was about three minutes of his hour-long speech, and he waited until the end to say that. And let me suggest that the reason is because the House of Representatives just isn't getting it done. Uh, as you will recall, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan and his group put together a bill, and the president I suspect without reading it or having much of a clue what was in it, declared it to be great, uh, exactly what he wanted. He was all for it. It was going to be wonderful, wonderful. Uh, the problem was the American people were paying attention, which is why only 17% of the people polled favored the bill. Now, 17% is a shockingly low number. Uh, it's hard to imagine too many things to get a lower rating than 17%. But in this case, that happened. So the uh, bigger problem was that the extreme House Republicans, the extreme people on the right, simply weren't going to uh, go along with it because it wasn't harsh enough. And so they just said, we're not going to support it, Mr. President. You have to make this uh, nastier and tougher. So they, they tried to do that, and now even the moderate Republicans aren't on board. So when we come back after a break... We're going to listen to some more people, real people with real thoughts about Obamacare. These are the Donald Trump's most passionate supporters. We'll talk to you on the other side. This is Steve Larchuk with Healthcare Politics.
Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's gonna be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't, it's too heavy. Oh my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here. Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looked, I love you, Justin. I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times? 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, Save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Payer is what it's called. You are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and this week we are listening, and I put an emphasis on listening, to folks that we met up at the Trump rally in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. On Saturday it was the 100th day celebration, uh, at least up in Harrisburg they were celebrating, of the Trump administration. And the people lined up real early before the sun even came up. And as uh, the president said, it was come as you are. And a lot of people did. Uh, I saw one fellow who I swear literally came off the tractor. He was just covered with dust and who knows whatever else. And he came and he was, um, he was plainly happy to be there. I should tell you that we ended up making the interviews, uh, doing the interviews, while people were in the long, long line to get in. And the line started moving 
even earlier than it was supposed to. And we couldn't stop people to talk to them because then we would, they'd lose their place in line. So we literally had to walk backwards while, uh, while taking these interviews and talking to people. We tried to select a diversified group Uh, as diversified as we could, but I have to confess, and I'm just being a reporter at this point, there's no opinion inserted here. Uh, Of all the thousands of people that I saw, I think there were perhaps perhaps six people of color. Uh, The group was overwhelmingly white. It was overwhelmingly people in their 40s at the youngest and uh, obviously 60s and 70-year-old people. There were a number of uh, young people, I can tell you that, uh, there were um, some maybe 30, 40 people on motorcycles that came roaring in and disrupted things. You may even hear some of that on the tape. So we're going to pick up with some of these interviews, and there are two in this segment we're going to talk about. And one fellow in particular, I swear he must have known I was coming because he was ready to go. He was more articulate than I am on, on this subject, but on the other side of the coin. So it's, I'm going to let that roll for quite a while. And you'll note that I'm not arguing with, with these people. I'm not there. To, I was not there to argue with them. I was there to listen and to share with you what we heard. So we're going to pick it up right now. What's your name, please? Diane. Diane Britton. Where are you from, Diane? Uh, about an hour up from almost by Hazleton, Pennsylvania, right up an hour from here. We have a show called Healthcare Politics. And what I'm asking folks is what were they hoping the president could accomplish once he was in office? Well, I think he could have did a heck of a lot more if the left side would have did a little bit of cooperation. Uh, I actually think the left side is not caring about our feelings. They're caring about themselves, and they just can't get over that President Trump is our president. Well, what would you like the president to accomplish, though, assuming he could get some help? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that the bill could pass to, to get rid of Obamacare. That's a nightmare. I had to pay. I seriously work paycheck to paycheck, and I had to pay because my daughter doesn't have health care. I'm a widow. I had to pay $275 out of my pay, on my W-2, to pay for her health care because she didn't, couldn't afford to have it. How could you, if you can't afford it, how could you get stuck paying a penalty? You can't do that. Okay, you mean she had to pay extra on her taxes because she I didn't had, have coverage? No, she didn't have coverage, so they took it out of my, my W-2 and out of my income tax. Did she apply for the Medicaid yeah. expansion? Yeah, she did, and she never got, it never went through. She did, kept putting her off to a different site, to a different site, and then she just got disgusted with it and gave up. So if, if you could get five minutes with the president and he said, tell me what you think about health care reform, what would you tell him? I would tell him to get rid of that as, as fast as he possibly could. And there has to be something better out there, especially for our vets. I, 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 we, give, we, we go to a doctor and there's a vet sitting outside. How could they not get care? And then you see these illegals coming in and get everything for free. It's not fair in America. It's not. I would tell Mr. Trump, first of all, he's awesome. I love him. My whole family voted him. I'm one of 14 kids in my family. We all voted for President Trump, and we're so happy that he's in there. But, yeah, he needs some help. He needs some help from the Democrats, and that's what he needs because he's doing an awesome job. And I would give, I would donate $100, which I couldn't afford, but I'd give it for that tra- wall to be, to be built. I okay. Much. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you. your help. Thank Take you. Care. Take care. Take My name's Steve Larchuk. Your name, sir? Ryan Shady. Where are you from, sir? From uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Not too far away. No. Nope. It's uh, fairly close, about an hour away. Now, I'm guessing that you voted for Donald Trump. I did, yes. Now, what were you hoping he would accomplish as president with regard to health care reform? In regard to health care reform, um, 
I think it's important to at the same time make health care affordable for all people while looking at pre-existing conditions. As much as we understand that people with pre-existing conditions using the law of big numbers, normally it would allow everyone to be covered and then lower premiums. However, in this particular situation, when you have when you have an increase in the amount of spending in healthcare, just because of the way that, that drugs cost, the way that insurance companies are raising the prices of, you know, different types of equipment and stuff like that that uh, different hospitals use. The, the, the pricing is exponential. There's a big monopoly. So the biggest thing I think is trying to figure out the best way to go ahead and provide health insurance for everyone while at the same time not hurting those in the middle class that aren't necessarily able to afford these massive premiums because they're getting spiked up by people who have the pre-existing conditions. So it, it it might be more important to figure out different pools of people, finding a median in between, okay, somebody with a pre-existing condition may pay a little bit more than an individual who is 20 years old and may think to not have health insurance in the first place um, and kind of find that happy medium of an in-between where they're still able to be covered, but somebody who isn't being underwritten and has a pre-existing condition may pay more than a 20-year-old who's perfectly he healthy and just wants health insurance just in case something massive happens, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Now, what about drug prices? Do you have a thought on whether drug prices are higher than they need to be? Way higher than they need to be. Um, the amount that different people who go out and even sell the drugs and market the drugs to different companies and, and doctors, um, a lot of the doctors, a lot of the hospitals, and even the insurance companies get paid exponentially. Well, not so much the insurance companies, but a lot of the doctors and stuff like that get paid exponentially by the people who come in and they sell the different drugs. Um, I mean, me being in kind of business-to-business -business sales, I know about uh, medical sales, um, drug sales. They, they wine and dine these doctors. They get The doctors get a lot of money in order to go ahead and prescribe particular types of drugs. They get different favors. And so it's not necessarily what's best for the people, but what's best for usually the pocket of whoever decides to go ahead and move forward with it. Um, but more or less, I think that creating a good drug trade in order to find competitive pricing um, and doing clinical studies and trying to figure out what's best for the people is super important. Because um, a lot of the time, money can be kind of the root of all evil, um, but I, I mean, I, I'm still a red-blooded capitalist in that same respect. I understand why they're doing it. It's just not necessarily right. We need to figure out a better way to find, uh, you know, cheaper and more affordable prescription drugs. Bernie Sanders has been saying that he's going to introduce a bill in the Senate that would be essentially a Medicare for all. What do you think about that? I do not agree with that. Uh, again, I am a red-blooded capitalist. I am not a socialist whatsoever. Um, I think that I think it's important for people to have health insurance, but at the same time, it's important for people to have choice. Um, as much as Bernie Sanders and a lot of different people who lean further to the left, uh, you know, they have this idealism that sounds great, and it sounds like okay, we're going to have free college, we're going to have free health insurance, and stuff like that. They don't realize that nothing is necessarily free. When you come out of college, when you come out into the real world, you're going to be paying exponentially higher prices on your taxes, and then you don't get to have a choice on what you spend your money on. So somebody who wants to spend their money on health insurance, somebody who wants to spend their money on health care can do that. People who do not don't necessarily have to. If a policy like that is enacted, you have to figure out some way to pay for that, and that's either adding to the deficit or increasing the amount that people are spending.
Okay, well, thank you so much, and have a good time today. Yes, sir. Thank you. So. That was Diane and Ryan, and as you can see, Ryan obviously has given this a lot of thought. We have quite a few more interviews to do, but let's just review a little bit of what, what we heard. It's, and we're going to hear this again in the second half of the show from other people that were interviewed. But it seems that everybody agrees that health insurance just costs too much, and even the deductibles. You could have health insurance... But if you have a deductible where you have to pay thousands of dollars out of pocket before the insurance kicks in, to a lot of people, you might as well not have the health insurance at all. It's really maybe catastrophic insurance. If you get hit by a bus or something uh, or get uh, cancer, maybe then it will help uh, pay for the the high part of, of it all. But as you have probably read, in the United States, a huge number of people have very little savings. It, many people, if they were faced with a 500 or or $1,000 expense, suddenly simply wouldn't have the money to cover it. So when you say to folks, well, you can be essentially self-insured for the first 1000 or $2,000, but you have insurance, it's, it's pretty much the same as saying you don't have it at all. And that, uh, as I watch the people and talk to the people, the typical or at least in this group, the typical Donald Trump supporter was just an average working person. You heard that one interview a little earlier from the woman who said she's living paycheck to paycheck and actually had to pay the money for her daughter's penalty under the mandatory uh, coverage part of the Affordable Care Act, uh, and it just enraged her, and I could just see it. She was practically crying. And so we're learning a lot about this. When we come back from break... We're going to pick up with more interviews and learn a lot more about it. Uh, This has been a real education for me, and I hope uh, it's helpful for you as well. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll see you back in just a few minutes. Well, they had 50 years to get the problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolve. From infant mortality to our lifespan. We're 37th in the world. I think we need a better plan. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a diversified media enterprises production. I'm Doug Cunningham. Millions of workers worldwide are marking International Workers' Day as U.S. organizers are expecting big turnouts for May Day protests here. Resistance to Trump, worker and immigrant rights, women's rights, and defending our democracy are all part of the May Day actions nationwide. Los Angeles may well be the largest May Day protest march in the nation. Maria Elena Durazo is secretary-treasurer of the Los Angeles County Labor Federation. The respect for immigrants and our roots as an immigrant nation is one big issue. The attacks by the Trump administration on Muslims, on Mexicans, on any and all immigrants in this country has triggered a lot of anger in our communities. Immigrant communities, like everyone else, are really concerned about this power that Trump thinks he has to be above the law and declare just by thinking that he has the right to declare just by his signature that he could violate the Constitution. So I encourage everyone to participate on May Day in one way or another. There's hundreds of events going on across the country. 
National Nurses United joined climate change protest marches over the weekend. From Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles, the nurses were marching to call attention to how climate change is a public health issue. NNU co-president Gene Ross says the nurses' union has a responsibility to fight for environmental justice and to demand an end to corporate projects that poison the environment, that jeopardize the climate, and that put private profit over the health of people and the planet. Wins Joanne Powers has more labor news. President Donald Trump painted a rosy picture of his administration in a White House address leading up to his 100th day in office Saturday. My fellow Americans, I truly believe that the first 100 days of my administration has been just about the most successful in our country's history. Many don't agree with the president's view of his term so far, with protests in hundreds of cities across the nation over the weekend, drawing tens of thousands opposed to Trump's positions on issues ranging from the environment and reproductive rights to immigration and labor policies. 15,000 protesters braved 90-degree heat in Washington, D.C. Saturday, ironically to march in protest of Trump's denial of climate change. The D.C.-based Economic Policy Institute highlighted the president's anti-worker agenda in their analysis of Trump's first hundred days, citing policies that make workers less safe in the workplace and threaten their ability to access earned benefits. Two Labor Secretary nominees and a Supreme Court nominee who are hostile to workers' rights and protections, and drastic proposed budget cuts to worker protection agencies, as well as support for legislation that would strip health care coverage from millions of Americans. Wins made possible in part by the OPEIU, the Office and Professional Employees International Union. You've been listening to Win, Workers' Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Single-payer is what it's called. And we are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Learn more about them by going to pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. And we are listening to tapes of interviews that I took uh, personally standing in line walking with the line up at Harrisburg when the president had his 100-day victory celebration rally. And there were an incredible number of people there. And we just randomly selected about 25 people to talk to and tried to get as diverse a group as we could, but there wasn't a a whole lot of diversification. That said, a lot of people kidded me when they heard I was going to go and they said, well, are you going to go in a disguise? Because if you're part of the media, somebody may try and beat you up. And I didn't wear a disguise, but I didn't exactly flaunt my politics either. I tried not to signal to the people we were talking to which side I was on at all. And I didn't wear anything that would suggest that. So the objective was to try and help them be as comfortable with me as possible. But the, t- the, the thing that I noticed in every single case was a, a sense of anger. And it was a little bit strange, and I could see even a little bit frightening. Uh, these are very unhappy people. And I don't know if they're unhappy about everything in life, but they're certainly unhappy with their government. And they think Donald Trump is the answer to their prayers, and they are absolutely with him. He once said when he was running that he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes, 
And when you talk to the folks who are waiting in line in 90-degree heat to, to see him and maybe have driven three hours to do it, you can believe that. Well, let's pick up with some more interviews, and one of the interviews is of an 11-year-old child, and I had permission from his grandmother to do it. It's sort of cute, and it's actually sort of tells, telling you something. So let's listen to some more interviews. Your name, sir? It's Rick Wilcox. Where are you from, sir? Uh, from Horsets, New York. Well, then you drove a ways. Uh, three hours. All right, well, thank you for coming. Glad the weather's cooperating. Now, I'm guessing you voted for Donald Trump? Oh, yes, big time. <laughs> Bigly? Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, it, when he was campaigning, he had a lot to say about health care and the ideas he had for health care reform. Uh -huh. What were you hoping he would accomplish? Well, I was hoping he'd actually do what he said, repeal it and replace it with something better. So how's it going so far? I was actually a little disappointed that he did not repeal it. Well, he needed the Congress to vote to repeal. He can't do it by himself. Yes, but Congress had voted already to repeal it, what, twice? So why couldn't they do it this time? I, I think Congress voted 60 times oh, okay. to repeal it. But, but since he's been president, uh, they actually haven't had a clean vote on just to repeal it. Uh, that's true, and I wish they would. Now, you mentioned repeal, I think, and replace. What are you hoping it would be replaced with? Well, just something better. I, I'm not... You know, they, they said they had a lot of bills that were that they were dying to put in. And so far, we haven't really seen many of them. Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, says he's going to introduce a bill uh, that uh, he calls Medicare for All. What would you think of something like that? I don't know much about that one. Sorry, I can't say. There was a, a famous American who once said, uh, of all forms of injustice, inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. And I'm just curious, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that health care is important, but I don't think it's a right. All right, so one of the things that's going to happen if the current House bill passes is that, according to the Congressional Budget Office, about 20 million people will lose the insurance they have now. Does that concern you? No. We ha have a lot of people that were off long before ACA came about, and they still got medical care when they needed it. Right now, what it's doing is sucking the lifeblood right out of us middle-class people, and that's got to stop. So if you had five minutes with the president, and he said, look, I just want to ask you a question about health care, give me your best suggestion, what would you tell him? Uh, to protect the middle class. All right, thank you so much. Have a good time. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Okay, first, I need to know your name, young man. My name is Aiden Ross. And where do you live? Um, here, I'm Dolphin County. Pretty, pretty close by. Yeah. And who's this with you today? My grandma. Okay. Can I uh, have your permission to ask him questions about health care reform? Sure. Of course. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we're here uh, to see the president today. What, what do you think of that? I think it's amazing. <laughs> now, you're young enough that you're going to be around a long time. You'll probably live to be over 100. What kind of health care system do you think we need? Um, I think we need better health care system. And, you know, I didn't ask how old you are. How old are you? Eleven. All right. Well, then you'll probably live to be 120, and you think we need a better health care system. Is that right? Yes. Tell me what a, what a better health care system would be like. Um, living longer. Do you think everybody should have uh, the right to see a doctor if they need one? Yes. Okay, what if they don't have any money? Um, they should still be able to see a doctor. Okay, well, thanks so much. Yeah, it's nice to see you're so interested. You take care and have a good time. Thanks, Grandma. All right, sir, thank you so much. What is your name? My name's Dan. And where are you from, Dan? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
All right, not too far from here in Harrisburg? Not at all. Now, I'm guessing you voted for Donald Trump? Absolutely. And when you voted for him, you probably had some expectations about what he would do with regard to health care reform. Yes. So what, what were you hoping would be accomplished? I want Obamacare repealed. Do you want it replaced with something else? I know that they have to, do, they have to replace it with something else, but I'd be happy if they just repealed it altogether. What's the biggest problem you see with the uh, Affordable Care Act? Working person like me, I'm paying $500 a month with a $6,000 deductible. I can't use it. I have to go to a doctor. I have to pay that out of my pocket on top of the $500 that I'm paying a month. It's, it's unworkable. It's unusable. It's terrible. Bernie Sanders, who's that uh, senator from Vermont, is planning to introduce a bill called uh, Medicare for All, which would just basically put the whole country on Medicare. What would what you think of uh, that kind of plan? Worst idea ever. Why do you say that? That's single payer, basically. Who's going to want to become a doctor uh, if you're going to be a government worker? I want the best and the brightest to become doctors. I don't want people who, are who just want to become gov government workers to become doctors. If you could get five minutes with the president today and he said, look, all I want to talk about is health care reform, I can't seem to get Congress going, what would you tell him? i tell him to stick to his campaign promises and get rid of Obamacare. We need him to do that. And please, President Trump, if you're listening, get rid of Obamacare. Well, I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> you so. Thank you so much. Thank Take you. care. No doubt that uh, President Trump listens to this show. I'm sure he stays up at night to download podcast. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. We have some more interviews. Please come back. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14. 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. He realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. 
or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't, he's too heavy. Oh my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here. Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looks, I love you, Justin. I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and this week we are playing interviews that I taped up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on Saturday at the 100-day Trump rally. And the objective was not to argue with people, it was just to listen. And so we have two more interviews out of the 10 that we played during the show. Let's go straight to those right now. My name is Steve Larchuk, and your name, please? Diane Shaw. Where are you from, Diane? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now I'm guessing you voted for Donald Trump? Yes. Now, what were you hoping he would be able to accomplish with regard to health care reform? Uh, that he would repeal Obamacare. And why is, why is that important to you? Because it's a drain on small business, and small businesses, excuse me, absolutely, companies that are under 500 people, not 50 or 100. So when you say it's a drain, how is it a drain? Because the employer is required to charge no less than 9.6% of someone's household income, except we can't ask them what their household income is. It, it sounds like you might be in human resources. Well, I'm a broker. Oh, okay. Uh, an insurance broker? Yeah. Well, then you're an expert. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, tell you what, uh, Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. is proposing a Medicare for All bill. What would you think about that? I don't know enough about it to comment. Well, what would you think the perfect health care system would look like? People would pay their own way. Employers could sponsor plans, and people could negotiate what their class of employees would pay towards that. But I don't think it's the responsibility of the government or employers to foot the whole bill. Now, what do you, what do you think about um, the 50 million people or so who would be characterized as uh, having a pre-existing condition? Do you think they, they need a way to get some kind of insurance? Well, probably. I would say, yeah, they need coverage. And they would probably have to have a social safety net, but I don't want it forced on me. All right. So with regard to drug prices, do you think the president should do something to try and get those prices down? Well, I think that if there were um, fair market pricing not controlled by the government, um, I think it would be a lot easier for people to afford their drugs because if you have hepatitis, treatment in, let's say, Cairo or Morocco is $900, and it's 130000 here, same drug manufacturer. It's, it's horrific. All right, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Enjoy yourself. All right, my name is Steve Larchuk, and your name, sir? Reed Barton. Where are you from, Mr. Barton? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Now, we're here at the Trump rally, and I'm guessing you voted for Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Now, what were you hoping that he'd be able to accomplish with regard to health care? Tort reform, and we can buy policies across state lines. Now, what does tort reform mean to you? That means doctors can't be sued more than 250000 per case unless it's malice. Do you think that would make doctors less careful? No, I think it would make them more, more, uh, more compatible with uh, today's uh, policies. What about uh, drug prices? How do you feel about that? Well, you have to pay for the research, you know, the labs and all that. I mean, it's going to be high first, but 
I'm all for generic drugs too. Are you working in the healthcare industry? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, Senator yeah. from Vermont, yeah. is getting ready to propose a Medicare for all bill. What do you think about that? No, I don't want socialized medicine. No way in hell. What do you think would happen? Uh, longer lines, worse doctors, uh, just bad coverage for everybody. Do you think we should repeal Medicare? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, isn't that sort of like socialized medicine? Yeah, but we're young. We're not old yet. We don't need uh, all that Medicare stuff. I don't want the government touching my health care until I'm 65. Okay, then they can touch it. And then they can touch it. If you don't mind my asking, how do you cover yourself now? I have uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. All right, and is that through your employer or yes, do you buy it yourself? Is, that is through my employer. Now, let's say you were laid off uh -huh. and you didn't have an employer anymore. How do you, where do you think you'd get your health insurance? I get my stuff through COBRA, and they cover me for six months. By the time I um, got a new job, that'll be gone. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Have a good time here. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. So that was the, that was the 10th of the 10 interviews that we had time to play for you today, but we did 25 interviews altogether. And there were a number of uh, teenagers, and I think I took four interviews with teenagers. We didn't use those because I didn't, frankly, have the permission of their parents, and I didn't think it was, uh, frankly, appropriate or ethical to put their names or what they had to say on the radio. But let me just say that, by and large, I found the teenagers to be uh, less emphatic about repealing uh, the Affordable Care Act. They seem to have a little greater sense of humanity, frankly. Uh, you did hear just in some of those interviews we played uh, sort of a tinge of harshness. Uh, if there wasn't insurance, uh, if people weren't insured, then so what? So that was um, interesting that the younger people uh, maybe were more sympathetic. You certainly heard that one fellow say he was against socialized medicine and thought that Medicare for all was socialized medicine. And uh, once again, this is part of the education effort we have here at the show because Medicare is government-funded. In other words, we all pitch into it one way or the other through our taxes or payroll taxes, our employers kick in. But the care is delivered by private practitioners, uh, hospitals, doctors. They work for themselves. Now, the, the Veterans Administration, that's maybe a pure example of socialized medicine because those doctors and hospitals really are owned by the government and pay the doctors are paid by the government. But Medicare doesn't work that way. And so when I hear somebody who seemed like a very smart, articulate person say that Medicare for all would be just like socialized medicine, I, I just want to sit down and and have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Just with so much work to be done. Drug costs, you name it, all these things we have to work on. We're going to take a break, and when I come back, it'll be uh, have a few parting thoughts, and we'll do the credits as well. But we'll talk a little bit about next week's show. So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. See you on the other side. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolve. From infant mortality to our lifespan We're 37th in the world I think we need a better plan When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time perhaps today? 
During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Yo soy Edward James Olmos y estoy aquí con mis carteros locales para recordarle que el sábado 13 de mayo es el día de la campaña nacional para la colecta de alimentos anual, Stamp Out Hunger. Todos podemos ayudar en la lucha contra el hambre. Solo hay que dejar una bolsa de alimentos no perecederos al lado de nuestro buzón de correo el sábado 13 de mayo y su cartero hará lo demás. Únese a mí y a la Asociación Nacional de Carteros con el gran esfuerzo humano Stamp Out Hunger. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious. And if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. We are the BCTGM, the union representing bakery workers. We have been joining forces with our members and thousands of community partners across America to end corporate exploitation of workers across the globe. Our campaign has its roots with the Mondelez Nabisco's firing of 600 workers at its Chicago bakery and replacing them with workers earning poverty wages in Mexico. College and university student activists have reached out to our global campaign, and the BCTGM is proud to welcome the more than 20 million students across America as partners in defeating this greed-based business model. Student voices have changed the world, and these future community and national leaders will add energy and heightened spirit to the BCTGM's consumer boycott of Mexican-made Nabisco products. Join the fight. Help change the world. Invite the Nabisco 600 team to your campus by visiting fightforamericanjobs.org. Follow us on Facebook at Nabisco 600 BCTGM Local 300. It was 1973. Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, was at the top of the charts. The feminist movement was in full swing. A group of Boston women office workers started talking about how they were treated at work, how men made more money for the same jobs, how they couldn't take time off to care for their kids without putting their jobs at risk. They were feisty, empowered, and fed up. They founded 9 to 5, a membership organization of women working in low-wage jobs, inspiring a national hit song and movie. Whether it's fighting for better leave policies, for equal pay for equal work, to ban the box or strengthen the safety net, 9 to 5 is on the front lines of putting our issues on the public agenda, and they're winning big. Find out more about how they're raising the bar at www.9to5.org. That's the number 9, T-O, number 5.org. Thank you all for joining us for this week of uh, Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. You've just been listening to interviews that we took uh, live at the rally in Harrisburg of uh, Donald Trump celebrating his first 100 days. Our objective was not to argue with people, it was to listen. And that's what this show needs to do, just like the whole country needs to do. We need to listen to folks who we do not necessarily agree with, try and find some common ground and maybe learn from them, maybe even have uh, the courtesy to change our own minds. So many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. You can learn more about them at Pair.com, P-A-I-R.com. Our music is courtesy of Mike Stout. Our producer and booker is Dr. Ann McGeary. 
Anthony Mastriani had my back up in Harrisburg, and he was a great deal of help. He provided field support. We have engineering and technical services provided by TUE Media. Please visit our website, and you can also download the podcast. If you've missed some shows, you can go all the way back. We've been on the air since February 2017, and I'm proud to say that we are now heard Across the country, we have stations that are carrying the show from Massachusetts to California, and that's just since February. So you can tell that this show is beginning to get some traction, and we couldn't be happier. Please remember the words of Martin Luther King Jr. Of all forms of injustice, inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. You can once again join us at healthcare-politics.com, healthcare-politics.com. Our mission is we dare to be reasonable, and we hope you will also. Next week, we are going to have the president of the National Association of School Nurses. School nursing is one of the most underappreciated tools we have in our health policy uh, toolkit, and that'll be a great uh, interview for everyone to listen to. So until next week, this has been Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. See you next week. Well, they had 50 years to get the problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolved. From infant mortality to our lifespan We're 37th in the world I think we need a better plan Money hungry insures pharmaceutical greed Outrageous co-pays for the meds we need In the richest nation we got on this earth Your health ain't a right What are all the other ones worth? Yeah Bolshevik medicine or socialism